Hey everyone, what's happening? It's Sean here, and we're back again with the uh, Soundcore Sundays. Um, I'm here with Lawrence and El Jefe today, and we're going to have a little chit-chat about all things YouTube, a um, little bit of background, and yeah, just have a good time. First off, um, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you're from, where you grew up, a little bit of a backstory for anyone sure. that's new listening. Yeah, no, not a problem. So um, for those that don't know, uh, my name is Jeff and I go by El Jefe or El Jefe Reviews on YouTube and social media. Um, for me personally, I'm a Bay Area guy. So um, United States, California, Bay Area specifically. So uh, San Francisco Bay Area. So this is kind of where I'm from. Been here my whole life, born and raised. Um, so a lot of culture. We have a you know good melting pot of cultures here. So uh, a lot of music, a lot of hip hop, a lot of different uh, blending of different things. Um, and that's, that's sort of where, where a lot of the music, a lot of the love for headphones, a lot of the love for this stuff, uh, comes from, um, it's, you know, this is the uh, hometown for, you know, Carlos Santana and one of my favorite artists. And there's a lot of good music that comes out of this region. So, um, yeah, that's one of the, one of the main reasons. So growing up with that stuff, music's always been a big part of, of my life and, um, you know, getting into headphones and doing that sort of stuff is just, an, you know, it's a good excuse to to listen to more of my favorite music or to discover... What's your, what's your, go-to, what's your go-to track when you get some new headphones or speaker? Usually the very first one that I'll listen to is going to be... Um, usually it's a, it's a toss-up between two. Either Europa by Carlos Santana or... Um, what is the other one? Um, it's the one that he did. I, I'm like I'm brain fart. I'm like losing the, the title. It's the one he did with. Uh, oh geez, I'd have to look it up. But it's a it's a, yeah. it's a collaboration he did in the 2000s, um, not with Michael Jackson. That was a really good one as well. A lot of people weren't aware of that one. Um, but he had a collaboration. There's one with Rob Thomas, and then there's another one. Oh, sorry, it's with Mana, uh, Corazón Espinado. That's the one. Yeah. What's your go-to track, Lawrence? Oh man, I think if you ask anyone in the community, they'll tell you exactly what that is. It doesn't matter if it's a new pair of headphones or an old pair of headphones. I'm listening to Oasis. Oh, nice. <laughs> Wonderwall, Wonderwall all the way. I think um, I, I played that song three times at my wedding and uh, we had a live band. I think by the end of my wedding, the live band just hated me. <laughs> just absolutely hated me. <laughs> Especially because the lead singer just couldn't quite hit some of those notes either. So you just knew that she was not comfortable singing that song. <laughs> oh, man. No, that's, that's cool. So um, what, were you, what were you doing before the whole... I'm jumping forward quite a bit. But, um, so what were you doing before YouTube? Like, um, well, you've grown up from... in this area, all the music. Yeah. And then what, got, what led you to YouTube? Well, YouTube, I mean, I've always been an active YouTube viewer since back in the day, like um, since it was a star rating system, you know, like 2007, 2008. So way, way back then. And um, I had always wanted to start a channel. I think I really started kind of ideating it like, you know, should I start my own channel? You know, what would it be about? What would I talk about? That was probably around 2014 when I started coming up with those ideas. Um, it wasn't well, I think, until... I, I think that's like, the, that's like the hardest... Bit as well, isn't it? Is that first step? Is yeah. like because some people just sit on that idea for so long yeah. that to actually take that first step and record the first video and put it online, I, I sometimes feel like that. I mean, I don't know because I've never done it, but I imagine yeah. that could be one of the hardest bits. 
Yeah, it was a bit nerve wracking. It's, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who, um, for some people it's easy, for some people it's more difficult. For me personally, it was difficult because uh, I tend to, ha- you know, it's, it's something that I that I work through is dealing with anxiety and social anxiety and things like that. So um, it was a bit difficult to really kind of just get over it. It took me a while to get past like, even, even the first video, I didn't show my face. So that was one of those things where it took me a couple of videos just to even get that started. But um, yeah, before even getting into the YouTube thing, um, I wasn't even doing anything close to this. Uh, even, I mean, I was still, like I am now, I'm still working a full-time job. I'm doing something different now. But even before that, I was, um, you know, working for a, a global um, imaging company. So taking care of, you know, huge photocopiers, um, whether they were for offices or for big businesses. So doing that for years. I was doing automotive um, for years before that. So um, it's always been something different. Um, I've never like worked in the music industry per se or anything along those lines. So I'm not like an audio engineer or anything like that. Um, I think but, that's been one of the one of the most interesting things that we've kind of discovered as we've been talking to different YouTubers, Sean, because mm-hmm. we were talking to Antoine Richardson the other day, and it's like the backgrounds of a YouTuber. It's it's so diverse, and and yeah. um, like Antoine's. For example, he's done so many different things, and even yourself, you, you've gone from, you know, you said you work in, in the automotive automotive industry. Mm-hmm. How do you go from that to audiophile YouTuber? You know, it's just it's, yeah. it's such a crazy step. Yeah, it's kind of moving towards something that I love, but didn't realize how much I loved it because even when I came up with the idea for the channel, um, it was because I was already doing reviews like on Amazon and things like that. Um, cause I was just, I'm just that guy. I was always buying stuff. I was always getting stuff. And, um, I would always try to help people with like, you know, what they're going to buy and help them make decisions, which was what I was doing when I first started this channel, the job I was working at the time was helping people like doing consultations on how to like fix up their cars and high performance and things like that. So, um, always had that kind of mindset of trying to help people make better decisions. So I figured, you know what, I was sharing this stuff on Amazon, but nothing was happening. And I was like, you know what, I think, you know, I watch a lot of YouTubers. Maybe I should just do it on YouTube and that way it could be a little more interactive and um, kind of figuring things out from there. And it didn't start off as an audio only channel. It's, I was kind of doing more general, like whatever stuff I would get, um, I would just do a review on. But um, the more I did headphones and earbuds, the more I enjoyed it. And, um, the more that I think that passion started coming across to people, um, and started kind of, that, that started working like in my favor because I think people noticed it and those videos tended to do better and it just started going that route. And then, you know, fast forward three years later and this is where we are. That, that seems to be like the common theme. I think Lawrence, like you just touched on it when we speak to so these people that decided to start YouTube channels, it was this idea of like a hobby, like, oh, I, I enjoy products. I want to inform people as well. And mm-hmm. then pretty similar to like, we spoke to my brother who's in the music industry. And what you just said is exactly the same as like an artist, like an emerging artist. The minute that artist is having fun with their craft, that radiates with the audience and suddenly you see it all start to pick up, all of it falls into place. You're yeah. having fun, your audience is having fun. So yeah, that's really cool. How did, how did, what was the point when you really noticed it picking up? Were you like, whoa, this is, this is cool. I, and you doubled down your efforts, I guess. Like um, the- I think it was at the time, the very first one that I noticed a big boost was, was by 
pure coincidence because I was already using Anchor Anchor products for a long time. Like I was doing like Amazon reviews on Anchor products and things like that. So I'm talking back like when it was cell phone batteries, you know, like way back then. So um, I ended up getting, what was it? It was when the SoundBuds Curve were released. And I ended up getting those. Um, at the time, they had some sort of a weird, there was some sort of a program where I got an email. And I think it's because I was part of the community. And I got an email saying, hey, we would like you to check out this, this product. And I'm like, all right. That was the very, I think it was one of the very first times that a company even reached out to me. I can't remember the lady's name, but she had reached out to me, mailed them over. So I was like super excited and I tried them out and they were awesome. Like even to this day when I, I still have those earbuds and I can still put them in and they still sound very, very good. So um, I made that video and people just, it, it took off. Like at the time I was under a thousand subscribers. I believe the video did like I think within the first like month, it did something like ten or twelve thousand views, which is insane for such a small channel. That, yeah, that, that's that awesome. is like that's that's one of the things I I really love about um, working with uh, smaller YouTubers. Um, is for example, we often get emails from people that are like, "Oh, you know, most companies wouldn't consider working with me and stuff like that." But the thing is, is that they go on to smaller YouTuber channels and they've reviewed an anchor or soundcore product that hasn't really been touched upon by many other people here on YouTube. And it can just, it can just really spike their views, especially if uh-huh. you're one of the first to do that. Um, and so when we're not like that, like we, we are really willing to kind of give, give micro YouTubers, especially that opportunity. I think that's yeah. really, really important um, for companies to do that because it's so hard to, to get that first, that first fit on the ladder, right? Yeah, no, for sure. And it's also um, one of the things that can also, it's part of like the, I guess, quote unquote, influencer marketing stuff. But um, one of the things that a lot of people don't realize is that we all, uh, not all of us, but many of us are part of a huge community. And we all have group chats amongst YouTubers and stuff. And it's been one of the most powerful things that we have is to be able to speak to each other, especially like to improve our content and then um, who's willing to work with us and who isn't, um, things of that nature. So um, it, it, go, it does not go unnoticed when companies reach out to um, channels of smaller sizes. Um, most notably lately has been um, Google and LG, um, you know, giving phones to micro channels. You know, I, I mm-hmm. saw those guy with like 600 subscribers who LG gave them gave them one of their newest like dual screen phones. I'm like, how the heck? So um, it's, it's awesome for that to happen. And I've seen Soundcore do it because I've experienced it. So and I think that's like, that's, so from a company perspective, the, the best tip I can give a YouTuber, if you do want to, for example, even get our notice or another company's notice is we often tend to look at things from two perspectives. There are still people in, even inside our company that go, how many subscribers have they got? And, I, and I'm like, well, why does it matter? Because subscribers are not a reflection of views. The way the right. algorithm works doesn't... If you've got 600 subscribers, it doesn't guarantee 600 views. What you need to be looking at is one of two things. First thing is, I tend to look at average views on, for example, the previous five videos. Or even if they are low, I'll go, well, have they reviewed Anchor or Soundcore products on their channel before? And how have those videos performed? And quite often, like I just said, There'll, there'll be these big spikes in those videos. And it's like, let's give them a, let's give them a try. Let's give them that opportunity and send the product to see what happens, right? Yeah. No, it's super helpful. Engagement helps too if they have a, a tight community because uh, 
It's like, that was one of the things that got attention that at least got my channel attention from a few other brands that I wasn't expecting. And I'm like, wow, you know why, you know, why are you guys paying attention to me? And the ones that were open enough to actually answer the question, they were like, because of your tight community and the high level of engagement that we see and how interactive you are with them because you, um, it, it's very, it's, it's difficult. Like I'll tell you that right now, it's difficult to answer every single comment that comes across my channel when there's literally thousands of comments and, um, I still do my best. I spend hours doing it. Um, but that's, I'm, I'm trying to foster a community of people and foster that trust and not abuse it. Um, so that's, that's one of the things that I think also helps is looking at that, um, level of engagement with the audience. So what, what would you say is the, um, maybe the hardest or most challenging part about running your YouTube? Easily um, time. So time management is, is definitely going to be the toughest one. You'll, you'll probably get the, a similar answer from a lot of people, um, especially those of us who still work, um, you know, like working a full-time job, especially my job before. Now I have, I've freed up an additional three hours of time a day with not having to commute. So that's helpful. But, um, you know, full-time jobs, plus people have families, they have kids, they have a lot of stuff going on and then they still try to do YouTube and stuff. And um, so that's the thing. Even now, it's still time for me. Um, I got some of it back. It's going to get better here soon, but um, it's going to be, you know, it, it, that's the biggest That's the biggest thing is trying to set aside time when I can shoot the videos um, things of that nature. I have very small windows of time when I can shoot a video. Um, and it's usually very early in the morning when I'm sleepy or very late at night when I'm tired. So <laughs> and I, I think that that's, that's what people don't appreciate is that a lot of, especially um, smaller YouTubers, they're, they've got a, a full-time job on top of YouTube, which is a full-time job in itself. And like you said, especially if you make that effort, to go and respond to every single comment, which especially in the early days, you, ha you have to do that, right? To really yeah. bring the audience back and let them know that they're part of what you're doing. Um, and people will sometimes get offended if, if they don't. So yeah, time management is, is massive. And even for, for us as well, you know, I think no matter what profession you're in, but for you guys doing, it's essentially two full-time jobs. It must be crazy. Yeah. I guess before we started the podcast, you was telling us about your your new job, and so how is that going? That that seemed super interesting. Yeah, no, I mean, so far, so far, it's been really good. It's been about a month and a half now that I've been with the new company and stuff, and um, it was an amazing opportunity. It came up at the right time. I really did not want to go back to being an on-site technician um, because my job I was in San Francisco. And um, I would have to go to, you know, 30 locations and be around the public and especially with the situations going on right now with uh, COVID and um, sadly, a lot of people in this country aren't taking it seriously. I just didn't want to go out there. I have a, I have, my, my wife is um, very, very vulnerable to any type of disease, much less COVID. So um, I didn't want to be out there. And then the opportunity <laughs> popped up where, <laughs> no worries, the opportunity popped up where I could work at home permanently. And, um, it fit, you know, the, you know, the money situation is good. The work hours are very flexible and you're, you're helping, you're helping other YouTubers, right? Like, that's, that's literally the best part about it. Yeah. 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 I, I think so. that was, that was the best surprise of having you on today is because when we were planning this, we were like, well, El, El Jefe knows YouTube, he's developing a community. So we were like, 
um, you know, El Jefe's essential tips. But what we didn't realize is that even your job, your full-time job is, is doing that as well. Like everything you do right. is geared towards community building to supporting YouTubers. It's all just tied together. That must yeah. be, like, you must, that, that must be pretty good knowing that what you do as a passion is also your full-time job as well. You know, it, everything yeah. just ties together. Yeah, that's that's the thing, especially with um, because it's it's like stuff like I some of the stuff that I I try to give people, and I was doing it before I even started doing it for a company, um, because people would reach out to me and would ask questions, and I would encourage people to ask me questions, and I'm like, listen, when I was starting out, nobody would answer my questions. I, I would send out emails to so many larger channels, and nobody would respond. There was one. There was one person who responded to me, and thankfully, he is still a good friend of mine. Um, he, my, my channel now, subscriber-wise, is bigger than his, but that's because he's moved into a production role. For If you guys are familiar with um, formerly Techno Buffalo, now John Redinger. Yeah. Um, yeah. So his, his production, um, like camera production person, uh, one of them, I think he's their lead. Um, his name is JD. He was the... Um, the person that I reached out to, he was probably around, I was at like 400 subscribers or something. I reached out to him and he was maybe at two, 3,000 or something like that. And he was the only person out of all the people I emailed that actually responded to answer my questions. And um, so that was one of the things where YouTube can be very, very lonely. And um, I always encouraged other people now, um, you know, for actually for the past two years, like, hey, anything I know, you will know. All you have to do is ask me and, you know, and I'll pass it along. And I think that that statistic you just said of like emailing, you know, thousands of people and just getting this one response really tells you how difficult it can be. So for those people who are just starting out or thinking of doing it, what is like the best piece of advice you can give give them for uh, just starting their YouTube channel? What can mm-hmm. they do? I mean, there's a few things, but um, mindset is a is a big one. Um, you have to be in it for the right reasons and you have to be ready because um, it's work. It really is work. It can be um, trying at times, but if you love what you're doing, then obviously it's not going to, it makes it a lot better because you're working towards a goal, but um, it's not going to be an overnight success. And that's the biggest thing is managing those types of uh, expectations of it. A lot of people tend to look at the bigger channels that they watch as viewers and say, wow, that's amazing. They have 10 million subscribers. Look at that production quality. They don't look at the journey. You know, they, like somebody yeah. like Marquez, who's been in it for, you know, over 10 years and how long it took him to even get to those first. He, I think he had like 100 or 200 something videos before he hit 100 subscribers or something. I mean, it's insane the level of work that went into it. And this is what I try to tell people is like, you have to be in this for the long run because, um, I barely got, tra- I mean, I, I did better than a lot, but I barely got traction the first 12 months, like barely. So, but it's multiplied exponentially year after year. But that took a lot of work, a lot of sleepless nights, which still continue to this day. I mean, the video that I put out on Wednesday meant that Tuesday, I didn't, I slept maybe two hours Tuesday night. And uh, when I do those top five videos, good God. So that's, that's a top five video equates to 25 hours worth of work easily. Um, so it's on top of your normal job as well, like right. your normal and, yeah. and family and everything else. Yeah. yeah. So that's one of those things where, um, I try to tell people that it's, you know, you have to be ready for it. You, um, manage those expectations. And also, I mean, being, being consistent is probably one of the biggest things, you know, you have to make sure that you dedicate yourself to it. 
um, come up with a schedule, stick to it, you know, try to do, I mean, life happens, but at the very least, try to get a video out every week on something and get accustomed to it because it's the habits that we build um, as YouTubers that, that get us through the times when it's very, very difficult. So um, that's what so, I did my first year. So, so basically being kind of boiling it down, it's being passionate, being consistent. Do you think it's important to, because the, it, the, it is saturated. There's so many tech YouTubers out there now. Do you think mm -hmm. it's really important to have a niche as well? Or do you think people can still break through without this? I mean, it's still possible, but your 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 personality would have to be outstanding, and your editing skills would have to be outstanding. But I think niching is super important, especially in the beginning, um, because YouTube, the way that it works on the back end, is very topical based. So it knows it knows our behavior, and they recently even updated it um, on the back end where they have the wording in there now, where they're using our Google account behavior, not just YouTube viewership behavior, but your email, your Google searches, your everything. So they they know what you're into. They know what I like, they know what you like. So they know where to serve your audience. So the key is like, they'll know like, well, Jeff is into music and he's into headphones and he's into earbuds. So they'll know which videos to put in front of me. Um, so they know, even if I didn't subscribe to Antoine, they would be feeding me Antoine's videos, you know, or Gameski or Flossie Carter or, you know, people like this, that's, that's what they would do because they know, because I'm doing Google searches for headphones and earbuds and I've got, you know, I'm on emailing lists for all these different companies. So um, they know, you know, they know exactly like, oh, well, we see that he's got 30 emails, uh, you know, over the past, you know, a couple of years from you know, the, the weekly or monthly Soundcore thing or whatever. So they know, well, he's into that, obviously. So let's feed him some Soundcore videos of uh, what's the latest stuff. If, if Google hasn't figured out by now that, uh, that you like headphones, then I'd be worried. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's one of those things that, and that's where niching comes in because you can feed um, that specific audience um, exactly what it is that they want. Um, and you can do it repeatedly, um, you know, because I have people who, you know, there's hardcore members of my, of my community where I'm, I sometimes kind of wonder and I'm like, man, you know, why do they keep coming back for this video after every video, after every video? But then it's the same thing for me. Why do I keep watching, uh, Jim's when he, like when Jim's was doing his videos, why do I keep watching those? And why do I continue to watch every one of Antoine's or Gamesky's videos? Mm -hmm. Because I'm actually into it. So I can identify with them because I'm, as much as I'm making content for them, I'm also part of that culture. So, what is what is the biggest pitfall or biggest thing that that again people just starting out that they can avoid? Um, that you know, perhaps slow. For example, maybe something was slowing you down, or something just clicked one day, and you were like, "Why have I been doing it this way?" What's what's the best tip you can give them? Um, not making data driven decisions. So that's that's a big key. Is um, a lot of us don't want to take the time, um, call it laziness, call it whatever, too busy. A lot of people don't want to take the time to learn the analytics behind YouTube. And um, I, I'm by no means an expert, but relatively speaking, I do know more than most. So um, it's getting to know what, what works, what doesn't, and where to look in the analytics to figure out where you can make those improvements. And every time I put out a video, there's something different. There's experimentation. Is this work better than the previous ones? A-B testing going on. So that's one of the things that I made the mistake of not paying attention to what was working on my channel 
and not. And it wasn't until somebody who spoke with me was like, somebody, somebody took the time, they looked at my channel, they looked at what was working and what wasn't and said, hey, look at this. Look how this is doing. These are doing much better. What did you do different? What was the topic? What was this? You know, look at the thumbnail. Look how this looks. So you have to basically make those data-driven decisions and say, why did these videos perform better than other videos? And it isn't always just a topic. Topic can, can be a big thing. Um, like a well-known product is going to get much more search traffic, so that's good. But um, really looking in and, and figuring out what, what the data is telling you, it's, deciphering it and making those changes. It's the, same, it's the same across social media, I think, because when I first started as a social media assistant, it was the very first thing my manager told me was uh, social media is 50% creative, 50% science. And what he meant by that is exactly what you just said, that if you do not track the results of what you actually do properly, then you're, gonna, you're just going to find yourself just kind of flatlining. Right. Sure, you might get like a, a small kind of slightly viral post or something, but in the long run for long-term growth, you need to know what resonates with it, your audience. Yeah. yeah, 100%. So what's next for you, LFA? Um, Tell everyone what's coming up. What what should we all be looking out for? Uh, and, I mean, uh, it's going to be a bit of the same, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, but we're still doing... Um, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm excited. Um, as far as the channel goes, I'm excited where things are going. I mean, the growth is great. Um, I'm excited to test out a lot of new products that are coming. Um, considering where, where I started with this, where technology was in 2016, um, with, with, even with True Wireless, when I first started getting into that, um, where it was then, where it was in 2017, the big improvements in 2018 and then 2019. And now where we are, where we're seeing more smaller qualitative improvements, but huge drops in prices for what you can get because, you know, people weren't getting, you know, stuff like good quality, decent stuff for under a hundred bucks with all of these features the way we are now. Um, it's crazy. So that's, that's, I'm really excited because everything that I've seen this year, um, I, I just can't imagine what, um, you know, with even Soundcore, but so many other companies as well have up their sleeve for 2021. It's going to be, it's going to be crazy. So especially for the holidays, cause you know, I know people are going to try to get some stuff out in time for that. And that's going to be a lot of fun. You know, it's going to be work, but it's going to be fun. So I'm looking forward to that. What, what I, what I really like are the, uh, are the rumors that never actually come to fruition, like with all yeah. these Apple rumors. And then there was that meme I saw the other day, I think Jonathan Morrison posted it of uh, someone pulling the chair out from someone, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like every, everyone was expecting, you know, something to launch yesterday and it just never, never happened. Yeah. Yeah. It should be good though. Cause I know they're, they're, they're delayed on a lot of that stuff and I'm looking forward to it though, because that's, you know, that's one of the things I'm, I'm excited about it. The, the current iPhone I have is a crappy antenna. So I'm looking forward to them, to the up, upgrades that they're going to do hardware wise. So that should be good. I'm excited for that myself. Yeah, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for taking the time for talking to us today. It's been awesome. I feel like I've learned quite a lot. I might, after this, try and start my own YouTube channel. Hey, you should, man. I, one thing I tell people is don't hesitate because that's the biggest regret I have as a YouTuber is not starting when I had the idea because I could just imagine where I would be with a three-year head start. And you just ended the podcast with some great wisdom. Yeah. Like one final nugget of, of wisdom. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much, Alhafe. We really appreciate it, man. And uh, we hope we can have you on again soon. 
Absolutely, man. No worries. Cool. Oh, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, we'll be back again soon. All right, cheers, guys. See you.